0: You can find them at megavoice.com or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Edison, author of Pioneering Movements. And you're listening to The Engaging Missions Show.
1: Welcome to The Engaging Missions Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger.
0: Hi, and welcome to the Engaging Missions show. I'm really glad that you're here. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about three keys to making real change through clean water, as well as how God moved our guest from the marketplace to full-time ministry and then back partially into the marketplace We're also going to talk about the value of starting small, and Scott McClelland is going to join us for the Leadership Moment, which is available as its own podcast at engagingmissions.com slash leadership moment, and then something special at the end. I've got a few little updates as well as some encouragement for people who are perhaps struggling with keeping on, keeping on, so stay tuned to the end. With that, we're going to get right into this week's episode. Well, Josh, first off, I'm I'm really thankful that you're here, and I I guess I kind of wanted do a little bit of an introduction. Um, For those who are joining us, Josh Young is is on the line. I actually met him several months ago. And this is the coolest thing. Uh, Scott McClelland, who's been doing the Leadership Moment for quite some time, we were going to meet for coffee and he brought Josh along with him. And when we met, we just had a killer conversation. We got to talk about God, about ministry, about providing water. And in that, when I was talking with Josh, we just talked about the option to maybe get on the show and share his heart. So I'm really happy to have him here. He's the, the program director and the VPA for Hydrating Humanity. They provide clean water, hygiene training, and hope but that's not all see josh is also in the marketplace so this is a really interesting thing so josh welcome to the show
2: it's great to be here thank you so much for having me Uh, excited to be here
0: yeah it, it is absolutely my pleasure to have you on the line i feel like i really just didn't even begin to do service to who you are and to what it is that you do would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and your your family maybe give a little bit broader picture of what hydrating humanity does
2: sure i'd love to uh, we're, we're an organization uh, that I've been a part of for just over eight years. We've, we've been doing this 10 years. Our founder is a, a pastor, a guy by the name of Matt Peterson. And uh, what we do is we use the spearhead of clean water, as you mentioned, and hygiene education uh, to reach uh, what we hope to be is an entire generation in the region that we're serving. Um so, uh, again, uh, I have, as you mentioned, kind of an interesting setup. Uh, I started, uh, as I mentioned, eight years ago and have since transitioned. I was in the marketplace. Okay. I uh, transitioned into full-time ministry, and then uh, about two years ago, uh, have a foot in both the marketplace and Hydrating Humanity. So <laughs> it's been a, a, fun, uh, a fun adventure, I'll, I'll put it that way.
0: So you've been involved with Hydrating Humanity for, you said, about eight years. As we're getting to know you a little bit, one of the things I'm wondering is just how has your involvement with Hydrating Humanity
2: changed you? Oh, goodness. Uh, A lot. Uh, Right now, I mean, when I started, I didn't have this many kids, but I'm the father of five. My wife and I have five children. And uh, we've seen the impact that it's had uh, on our family as well. Personally speaking, I came from the marketplace, had no intention of going into ministry. Uh, I was kind of set, um, <laughs> maybe selfishly so at times, on, on building kind of a, a, a business, and I was starting to see some success and, and really felt that uh, the, the Lord had a course correction for me, which ended up uh, <laughs> agreeing to be in full-time ministry. And at the time, uh, part of what I did well, was still related to business. So even even early stages of our organization, there was a business element, and, and I can elaborate. Uh, the uh, from inception, I, I think the idea was how do we leverage the marketplace uh, for good. And what Matt envisioned at the time, and this was early 2000s, that, that he started getting this idea, the, the bottled water industry was starting to explode. It was having exponential growth, and uh, he had experience living overseas for a couple of years, was very much uh, in touch with some of the issues that the developing world faces, and water being a, a key issue. And here we are in the states, uh, and there's nothing to feel bad about. But here we are in the states, spending a dollar, two dollars, three dollars on, on on bottled water. Uh, the idea was not to complain about that, but how do we leverage that in order to bring clean water to to those in need? And so that was kind of how even the organization was birthed. We've since transitioned away from that, but that was uh, what I was a part of helping with uh, from the very beginning. We went through a rebranding process. We started to see some good growth um, in that sector, and, uh, and ultimately, I think we, we needed to focus uh, on on more on the, the clean water project side. But uh, it's been an interesting, interesting mix. I would say overall, the impact that it's had on on my life. Getting back to your question, is it, it, hard to quantify. Hmm. Uh, uh, it, it has been an amazing. Impact. You feel privileged and blessed. I've been able to uh, to, to travel over to Africa uh, a number of times, see firsthand uh, the lives that have been shaped, changed, transformed, uh, and, and I, I consider it an, an honor and privilege. And I would uh, certainly make that same decision over eight years ago that I that I did uh, to jump on board.
0: Uh, that's good. So I know that you're based in the U S you've mentioned that you travel a little bit to Africa. Where, where do you do most of your work?
2: Most of our work is in East Africa. So Kenya and Tanzania. In okay. fact, our, our, our office is on the border of Kenya and Tanzania. And on the map it is between Lake Victoria and the Masamara game reserve. Uh, so we're, you know, you fly into Nairobi there uh, in Kenya, and it's about a seven or eight-hour drive down into a rural region in southwest Kenya.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. It, it's, you know, for for somebody in the states, it, sometimes we forget how big Africa is, and that sometimes even forget that it's not all just one big country, right?
2: Oh my goodness, it, it's uh, it, it's mind-boggling. I think I saw a map. Uh, at some point on the internet, that showed how many uh, other countries could fit inside. And in fact, all <laughs> of South America, all of the U.S. I mean, there was, it was—it really is so diverse and so big. It's—it's it's sometimes hard to get our minds around.
0: So, so as you think about your life and your ministry, you've you've mentioned some some time in the marketplace, some time in full time ministry. Now is in some ways probably bivocational. Is there maybe a meaningful scripture, or something that's foundational to your life and to your ministry?
2: There is, and I'd say, oh, goodness, um, probably around nine ten years ago, uh, maybe closing in on the time that I made the decision to get out of the marketplace, I had this weird occurrence that kept taking place that I I couldn't shake. And from what I've heard, it's happened to other people. But it's like whenever you look at the clock, whenever you see numbers, you have uh, similar numbers that just keep popping up and they won't go away. Mm. So I had uh, 619 Uh, On the clock, and I could not escape it. And it was weeks until finally I just asked the Lord an an internal question. I said, What is 619? And in my spirit, I really felt Him say, Go to the sixth chapter of the Bible, Hmm. chapter one, verse nine, and tell me what that says. (laughs) Well, I have been wrestling uh, with, um, you know, certainly one thing. Uh, and and dreaming about doing something bigger than myself, other than just business. And, uh, but not knowing how, and and certainly still really focused on trying to provide well for my family and build something, uh, something big. And, uh, and so I go to the sixth chapter of the Bible and that is the book of Joshua. Well, Hmm. (laughs) that got my attention. That's my name. And, uh, and, and chapter one, verse nine is, is when, uh, you know, he's telling Joshua to be strong and courageous. And that verse, um, it says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's something that I, that I, I leaned on when I transitioned out of the marketplace, when I went into ministry, it was a significant uh, difference, income-wise. I mean, it was just a—it uh, it was a, a leap of faith, if you will, transitioning in, into that. And uh, I'd say even some of the pioneering work that we've done in Africa, um, you know, it, it takes strength and courage. And sometimes, uh, you know, we, we need that extra extra strength and courage from the Lord himself in terms of speaking that directly to us. So I've taken a lot of uh, comfort and and strength and and courage from him speaking to me through some numbers.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And, and you know, I I think what I'd like to do is just, if you don't mind, give you a second to brag on God, because you talked about God asking you to be strong and courageous and he wouldn't do that if he didn't have a plan to come through for you as well. Can you share with us maybe one of the times when he did that?
2: Oh, well, I'd say early on, for sure. Um, you know, it's been uh, uh, it's been an interesting uh, process. For anybody that's gone from the marketplace in the full-time ministry, uh, I think there are those times uh, when you can question, um, you know, the, the direction, I would say. Not in terms of... of the fruitfulness or the honor that you get in serving in ministry. Uh, but, but certainly there's some challenges, both financial and stuff that, that comes at you. Uh, even from being related to church, we know uh, church, church life uh, can be messy at times. Hmm. And, and so is serving in, in ministry. Um, but I'd say without a doubt, um, you know, there's been many times. Uh, again, especially early on, is is when I, I really needed uh, that strength and courage uh, uh, to uh, to sustain us and, and my family. It was something that that my wife uh, both needed as well. So, uh, it's just been a it's been foundational for us and and ongoing. I think, you know, you you need to be bold. I think the Lord has called us to be bold in partnership with him. And, and that continues to propel, I feel, what I do for our organization and, uh, and, and want to continue to, to have that uh, be a part of the decisions that we make to be to be courageous.
0: So have you ever had to remind yourself
2: that God was calling
0: you to do that? Have you ever gotten to that place where you're going, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be courageous?
2: Absolutely. I think that's happened uh and sometimes all along the way. Um you know when when you come from a place where where you feel you're building kind of your resume, especially from the marketplace, I was a believer, um, you know, but I, I had intentions, my own kind of personal agenda, if you will. And it's not that I wasn't inviting the Lord into that process, but I just you know, I had these thoughts and ideas of what I was going to build and what I was going to do. And uh, when you transition away from that and and uh, you look back and you say, um, especially when you transition back into the marketplace like I have to some degree, you there those thoughts. Uh, and, and I've, you know, quickly been able to dismiss them, but there's always those thoughts of, you know, what have you, um, you know, what have you focused on? And where are you going? And, uh, I'd say continuing to make bold decisions Uh, in our relationship with the Lord, you know, hearing and obeying is, is something that I want to continue to do for the rest of my life. And I think a lot of people, uh, here, I know I have at times, the the hard part is, is putting that one foot in front of the other and, and really obeying when it costs us something. And, uh, and I want to continue to, to live a life of, of courage in that way.
0: So, You know, you've really, you've really kind of hit on one of the key things, at least for me. And I, I know that a lot of the people who listen to this show are called into the marketplace. I, I believe that I am as well. And it can be really hard sometimes to know how to walk this out. You know, you need to set goals. You need to work hard. You need to do things. At the same time, we need to to hear from God. Do you have any insights you can offer us?
2: Well, I think it is being sensitive uh, to what the Lord is saying. I think timing, the Lord's timing and our timing, uh, of course, it's important to line up with the Lord's timing. Some people push too fast. Uh, Some people may be dragging their feet that are listening that really need to step out in in that boldness uh, and the dreams that the Lord has given them uh, to need a need. And it it can start small. And um, I just, being in tune with the Lord and and not being afraid. I feel such a planned uh, type of people. I I mean, I I hear people say, I'm not going to have my first child until I've got this amount of money in the bank. Hmm. And I'm not against planning. I'm not against wisdom, of course. uh, But I do think uh, that when we step out in faith, uh, in obedience to what we feel like the Lord is, is telling us, that uh, he's there to meet us along the way. And that's certainly been the case with us, whether it's been financially or health or breakthrough, uh, growth, you name it. It's been fun to watch the Lord partner with us.
0: That's good. So I I just had one other thing I wanted to ask before we take a quick break. As you think about your your life and your ministry and what God's done, do you have any personal habits, anything that you do on a regular basis that you believe contribute to what God's been able to do?
2: Well, I think there's, there's both the physical and the spiritual side to that. Um, physically speaking, um, one thing that has certainly helped me is, and this is very practical is staying in shape. I know that sounds super, uh, uh, maybe superficial, but I've heard some, uh, one guy in particular that, that I've always looked up to. He's passed and, and gone to be with the Lord, but Derek Prince, um, which I'm sure a lot of people are, are familiar with him, uh, incredible Bible teacher. But one thing he said towards the end of his, his life that the Lord really challenged him with was uh, keeping himself healthy and taking the time to do that. And to me, that, that has been a, a habit of mine. Uh, I was a, a college athlete as well, but it's been a habit of mine that I feel has, uh, really, um, given me, uh, the ability to, to push the um, envelope, if you will, in, in other areas. Uh, so I, that is a habit that I, I definitely have done. I, I feel it bleeds over into every aspect of our life. Uh, on the spiritual side, Uh, I would say taking the time to listen, uh, which takes a little bit of discipline. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found a lot of times I want to tell the Lord what I need, and it's been more of, as I've looked at it, more about me and less about Him.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And uh, that's been a habit that I've I've continued to try and correct in in terms of not just talking all the time, but uh, taking the time to listen. And and it's in those moments uh, that I feel some of those questions, and we tend to do them in rapid fire to the Lord, actually get answered.
0: Wow. Yeah, you you just nailed me there. I'm processing what you were talking about because I can totally see how in my own life I sometimes do that as well. With that, though, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the ministry.
1: Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions.
4: Hi, it's Scott McClelland with your Leadership Moment. Trying to wrap up here on the subject of do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. If you're just joining us right now, you could go back. There are several in uh, this series Uh, from uh, our examination of this verse from Matthew 23.10. Just trying to wrap it up here. I know this is a deep subject and we could spend a lot of time, but we want to keep moving. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. We've talked about how our leadership as believers is representative, not authoritative. That might be the crux of what Jesus is trying to say here. Now, preparation for leadership is preparation... To bear responsibility in an exemplary way. It's about managing influence in a way that we are not corrupted by it. I think Jesus in this admonition is trying to keep us from being corrupted by the opinions of others and maybe even of our own opinions when it comes to the centrality of our leadership. We should settle that once and for all. Jesus is central to all leadership not us. Now, uh leadership and influence are a tricky field. There's a super high casualty rate, and there are so many snares when it comes to properly managing influence, and we see this all around us. Sadly, people continue to fall for the same snares when it comes to their influence and being corrupted by it. We know that Satan was corrupted, by his own influence according to Scripture. Jesus is our prime example of leadership. That's why we should look to him principally and authoritatively. He, he is the authority on leadership. And we we shouldn't look to someone for that. No matter who we're following or who God has put in our life to give us instruction, to disciple us, to 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 in fact lead us as Uh, a representative of the Lord, we continue to look to Jesus. Maybe this is why we're not called to be called leaders. There is one leadership example, and we should all be looking to him, regardless of the humans God has given us, to also follow. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We can't unpack that right now, but it's there's a lot there. Leadership status promises us honor, which is one of the things that makes it attractive, and pursued in our times. And that appeals to our fallenness, honor. But didn't Jesus say, how can you believe when you seek honor from one another and the honor that comes from God, you disregard? Wow, so much there in the words of Jesus. I want to encourage you as you're pursuing understanding about the concept of leadership. Keep in mind, there is one leader His name is Jesus Christ. He'll have final authority on all matters leadership. And that's the way we'll strive to keep it here at the Leadership Moment. Thanks for joining us. If you need to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. I'm Scott McClellan. Have a good one.
1: This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.
0: All right, we are back. We've got Josh Young on the line. He's Well, frankly, he just kind of nailed me before we took the break with uh, listening to God. That's something that I struggle with. Uh, If you struggle with that, then take that to heart that... Yeah, you know, a lot of us do and it's important. Now, we are shifting our focus though. We've talked a little bit more about Josh and his life and that kind of stuff. Now we're shifting our focus more toward the ministry. So Josh, as we move to the present day, we t- we focus a little bit more on your ministry. There are a couple of things that kind of set hydrating humanity apart from what I would think of as your traditional well digging, let's give water to clean water to people focus. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about
2: that? Sure. I think there's a a, a number of things that kind of differentiate us. Okay. Um, uh, One of those things, you know, missions in general, uh, I I think there needs to be such a a wonderful partnership, marriage, if you will, between the practical and the spiritual. And the spearhead uh, of clean water and hygiene education was something that, that we felt like the Lord spoke to us about, spoke to Matt about as a way to reach people, love people, build relationships. And in the process, you're, you're saving lives and demonstrating uh, the love of Jesus, uh, which uh, to me through relationship has has enabled us to share the gospel in a, in a way uh, that we've seen impact um you know, this region that we've been working in for 10 years. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a number of other things. Um, one of the, the things that we are strong also in is hygiene education. Mm. Uh, it, it's not, I would say, as glamorous uh, in, in terms of when, when people look at, at organizations doing clean water projects.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but it is as essential as clean water itself and it was interesting. We found we found a, a fact, uh, some research, about this very thing, and this was several years after we had been doing it, and that is clean water by itself is only 15% effective in um, helping eliminate waterborne disease. Wait, wait. Did, uh, that is, what, what was that stat again? It was it, it, uh, clean water by itself. So let's say we go in and do a project. That mm-hmm. project is only going to help that community, Uh, it's only going to reduce the amount of waterborne disease by 15% as a standalone project. Wow. Yes. (laughs) That's uh, you know, 15% is better than zero, but it's not, uh, not a great uh, fact. Right. Uh, We found the same uh, thing for hygiene education. So teaching people, I mean, we're, when I say rural Africa, I I want you to think, you know dirt roads and and mud huts. but that, that is a, it's a farming community. it <laughs> It is uh, very much uh, rural Africa. I mean, there's been many communities where young children have ne- have never seen a white person uh, before. so we are we are very much in in rural Africa, where people have have villages that we get to help who have never had access to clean water in their history. So that's the type of environment that we're in. And so basic germ pathways, washing your hands, uh, cleaning out um, you know, the, the bucket that clean water is going to go into. These are things uh, that we also teach in our, in our uh, hygiene education curriculum that we've developed. Uh, but we did find just teaching hygiene is only 15%. If they don't have access to clean water um, then just teaching them that they could be drinking dirty water wasn't enough uh, to have more of an impact than just 15% by itself when the two come together it's exponential it, it, it grows to 70, 75, 80% uh, of a difference when they're combined so we have um, made it I would say a policy we don't ever do one without the other wow Um yeah, you know, there have actually there have been some regions where we've only been able to to teach hygiene because of uh, whether it's remote or a different country or not having you know infrastructure there. The, the, the curriculum can be taught anywhere. It, it's harder to to move a crew, let's say, to mm-hmm. to uh, another country. So we have taught hygiene in places where we couldn't do water. But wherever we've done a water project, we we certainly implement the hygiene. Uh, curriculum. Another thing uh, that kind of makes us a bit different uh, is the fact that we are, well, all of our projects that we've done are still working, and that's because we've decided to focus on a region instead of a number. What I mean by that is, uh, of course, when people find out you're doing clean water projects, the need is so great. Uh, you get invites, you know, we've had invites in many, many different countries in Africa. Uh, what we've decided to do is to focus on a region, uh, ask ourselves, A, how do we solve, eradicate the waterborne disease crisis in a defined area? How do we build lasting relationships so that food remains And how do we see and impact the next generation of Kenyans and Tanzanians? One by um, first, uh, uh, in some ways, saving lives, but then uh, sharing the gospel and, and, you know, hopefully seeing these nations, um, you know, in this next generation uh, be raised up um, as believers to impact their own countries. So we've been in the same region about uh, about 10 years.
0: So that sounds simple enough when you're talking about it, right? You know, just uh, provide some clean water, provide some education, and see the world changed. you know, share the gospel, that kind of stuff. In reality, I think there are a lot more complexities that go into that. What kind of challenges do you face when you're going in and providing education, clean water, sharing the gospel?
2: Well, there's, along the way, so many lessons uh, as as any organization, a missionary, or anyone working in a, in a foreign context will uh, <laughs> will will uh, will say, yeah, we have drilled dry holes. Uh, we've um, you know tried to build relationships and trust people with responsibility that ultimately uh, you know have let us down. Uh, we've um, learned some things the hard way. You know early on." we, um, you know, you're trying to build something thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. And our philosophy in general has, has always wanted to be and has been that the indigenous uh, people in the area we're serving would be the forward face of the organization. It wasn't white people coming in and, and saving the day. It was um, building relationships uh, with local pastors and, and, and people um, training them how to uh, solve uh, the local issues and problems that their brothers and sisters are were facing, and support that. And we can we continue to do that. But there's been a lot of lessons along the way in wanting to do that. And so, um, you know, not until about a year ago. Uh, were we'll we able as an organization to send our international director? Of course, it had to line up with, with his timing and that the Lord was uh, speaking to him about him and his wife. But they have since moved to Kenya um, uh, just over a year ago, and that's been a huge difference maker for us. But we've we've uh, there's plenty of lessons along the way. That's for sure. Yeah. So
0: we've we've talked about challenges. What I'm wondering about now is you've got this. Big, huge goal. You've got a lot of stuff that you're going on, uh, that you're working on. I'm wondering, in the middle of all of this, there are also some things that are exciting and things that are fresh and new. What's exciting you right now about what you're doing?
2: Well, I think we've hit our stride and uh, and are feeling a lot of momentum, and that that's exciting, of course, for 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 anybody when they feel like they're they're really starting to to run with the dream and the vision. And I feel like the Lord has taken us through this process. And as we're looking back, we're seeing kind of a flat map of success, a a way to reach, uh, an entire region, um, uh, with various practical things we do that are, are leading to the type of fruit, uh, and and the reason behind why we do what we do. and, And that's to share, uh, the gospel and the love of Jesus, with uh, with our brothers and sisters in in, in Africa, so <clears throat> uh, with that said, I, I mean we we just um, we just acquired a a, a drill rig, which mm-hmm. is going to take us to the next level. Uh, mm-hmm. We are partnering with the group that produced the, the Jesus film and are are able to show the Jesus film in every school. Uh, that we uh, that we help provide clean water. Um, we feel like the Lord has given us a strategy uh, to to really um, not just impact this region, but also duplicate that uh, this process in new regions. And, and that is um, partnering with schools. So several years ago, uh, it's one of those things where you think, why do not we think of this sooner? Uh, but the government. It, I feel in in every region on earth at this point, at this time in history, understand that that education is important. So, I mean, I've only been in in a handful of nations in Africa, but I've also been able to travel to a a lot of other places. And even the most remote areas that I've been, uh, people villages understand and, and they're trying to send their kids to school. And I feel like the government is trying to keep up with that. So the strategy uh, that we have implemented is the government has already strategically tried to locate schools. And in our you know, area, again, think of kind of a, a mud and stick building where, where kids, you know, will go to school. But then they're, they're trying to do a good job of reaching, you know, different villages and so if we partnered and, and could have a clean water project at every school in our district, then theoretically and, and strategically we could reach every family with clean water, hygiene education, and the gospel. So that is really exciting uh, for us. I mean, we have uh, probably around 175 schools to go in this region, and, uh, and, and we feel uh, really excited uh, about uh, being able to, to reach, in essence, the next generation in this region in, in hopefully a fairly short time frame.
0: So if somebody's listening to this and they care a lot about what you're talking about, providing clean water and also sharing the gospel, what ways do you have for people to become involved with what you're doing?
2: Well, that's a good question. I, I think there's, there's a number of ways. Um, depending on, um, you know, what's in, in people's heart. Uh, I know, again, as we talked uh, about briefly earlier, timing um, is, is an important issue when, when we want to get involved in certain things. Um, you know, we have all kinds of different programs. We have a community of people all across the states uh, that come together uh, for uh, you know a monthly contribution, and 100% of those uh, pooled resources go to sponsoring a clean water project for a village. Uh, we've seen, um, uh, I think they're working on their 28th clean water project as a community of people, and wow. most of the people are $5, $10 a month, and that's what they can do, uh, and that's been a real source of encouragement. We give them GPS coordinates so that they can see exactly uh, where the community is, uh, that they've helped, uh, pictures, stories. Um, So certainly, you know, that's one way. Uh, You know, in looking up more information about us, you know, I could give you our website, praying for us. Uh, We've taken uh, teams over uh, with us to experience uh, what it is we're doing, which is um, always life-changing. We've had businesses and churches sponsor uh, projects. Uh, We've had, um, you know, people in the marketplace that have uh, uh, sponsored a water project and named it after, you know, a, a family member named it after someone that was battling cancer. We've, we've, we've just seen a lot of, creative ways for for people uh, to get engaged uh, with us so there's there's plenty of plenty of options that's great
0: with that we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward our listeners
1: here's a taste of what's coming up on the engaging mission show
3: God orchestrated things in such a way that i became the primary facilitator of a new and improved version of the boot camps let me tell you that was not on my radar <laughs> back in the day at all um and i do those on an almost monthly basis now in various locations around the us i'll be in fort lauderdale next week i'll be in la next month uh, almost on a monthly basis we have those but uh meanwhile too i've been growing part of a growing network that helps train and coach ministry uh, leaders that are trainers and coaches that oversee fund development within their organizations. So I get a chance to work with some of the leaders that, uh, that, that do that for like Awana and Pioneer Bible Translators and SIM and, and many others. And so God has done and is doing things that are well beyond me, Brian. I, I'm just, I'm just humbled to be a part of all this and how, how he's building his kingdom. So, you know, The the idea of there being a biblical foundation for fundraising, absolutely.
1: If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Missions show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe.
0: All right, we are back. With Josh Young. We just took a quick break, and now we're going to shift our focus one last time. We've been talking about Josh. We've been talking about the ministry with Hydrating Humanity. Now we're focusing on you as the listener. So, Josh, I'm just wondering, I know that you've spent time called into the marketplace, then called into full-time ministry, and now bivocational. What would you share with somebody who feels called into the marketplace, but they're starting to wonder if what they do really matters for the kingdom?
2: Be bold and courageous, and listen to the prompting of the Holy spirit as it relates to their own personal impact. And I think it's bigger than just business. I think even in, in, um, you know, people not asking themselves necessarily that direct question, but I think it comes down to distraction. How distracted are we, uh, with business? How distracted are we outside of, uh, our vocation? I think the time, at home uh, on the weekends, uh, the other fill-in time, so to speak. Um, if we're distracted on in those times, then I think we could be missing something much bigger that the Lord uh, wants to deposit in us and through us to impact the world around us. I think the bigger question, rather than you know, do I stay in the marketplace or do I not? Uh, I think the heart condition towards being distracted or not distracted, and it is, is the biggest challenge. I mean, you, I know personally, uh, and I hate to admit this, I probably check my smartphone way more than I should. I have <laughs> feeds to different news channels, uh, ESPN, because that's Hike Sports. I mean, you name it, there are distractions all around us. And if we're not disciplined to, to, um, uh, to put those aside then that I, I feel could be more impactful than, than even saying, Hey, I, I do feel called for business. Uh, I, I do feel like I'm uh, loving people, uh, in the work uh, place. I do feel like I'm uh, setting the standard. I do feel like I'm representing the Lord, all very important things. But again, uh, not to continue to repeat myself. Um, I think, the, uh, we can't be distracted.
0: So, so you mentioned not being distracted. That is definitely something that I struggle with as well. Do you have any tips for somebody like me to, to at least create a rhythm of being undistracted?
2: Well, again, what are those pockets of time uh, that we see in our schedule? What, we, you know, of course, all of us, um, have so many, uh, you know, in the West, there's so many things to be a part of, uh, as I mentioned, I have five children. I think one week, uh, about a month ago, I had five different practices on five different nights, <laughs> and that is, you know, that can that can add up. Uh, but my advice, really, in in terms of fighting that, is either a scheduling those times to not be distracted if if it's that kind of severe in, in terms of uh, where your 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 time. Uh, other than your location, um, uh, you know your schedule permits. Either you've got to schedule it, or begin as a first step, begin to look and jot down and kind of log those times where you where where your time is going. So let's say you work till six pm. You know what are you doing from? Six to the time you go to bed. Of course, there's dinner, there may be family time, there may not be. And once you start realizing these different pockets of time that you have, then you start dedicating those those pieces of, of time uh, to uh, uh, it could be to to writing that book that you feel called to, to write. It, it could be you know getting down a business plan for a nonprofit that you feel like you want to start. But really, stewarding those pockets of time instead of, you know, spending that half an hour on the phone.
0: That's good. What would you share with
2: someone who's
0: living in North America or living in their home and they're starting to realize that their neighbors, their coworkers, the people that they go to the grocery store with are from another place, maybe even someplace where we think only missionaries go?
2: Well, what I've seen and, and, and what I could say to that is, you know, it, If you take the time to get to know a little bit about somebody else's culture, it goes a long way. Mm. I find that I'm prepared uh, in that way when I go to a new culture where I really respect those those aspects of their culture that are wonderful. Uh, That it goes a long way in building uh, relationships. And that goes a long way in building trust. (laughs) And without relationship and trust, it's really hard to have the type of impact that you want to have, whether it's your neighbor, uh, whether it's in the mission field. Um, So the second thing I would say is, of course, the demonstration of love. And that includes being uh, an inviting person, uh, loving people. It's so easy uh, to to stay closed up in your in your neighborhood. Uh, you know, you and I, Brian, uh grew up in in a, in a time hmm. in the 80s and, and 90s where people would stop by. You actually enjoyed it, you know, <laughs> as a family. You had visitors that came unannounced, and everybody would be excited. And we've become kind of such a close Uh, society in that way where where people just aren't dropping by neighbors don't ever talk to each other. And so that is a way that, that we could certainly change and and make an impact being inviting a neighbor, um, you know, doing those small demonstrations of love. If they're out of town, maybe cutting their grass or finding different things about their culture, but those things will go a long way in building Uh, that relationship that that really does open the door to sharing the why uh, you love them, um, which is, you know, about Jesus.
0: Do you have maybe a tool or a resource or a book or something that you'd recommend for our listeners?
2: I do. Uh, There's a book and it is, uh, it's been very challenging, weighty and, uh, I've had to take my time with it. It's one of those books where you need to set it down after a few pages at various spots. Hmm. But it's called The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person by E. Stanley Jones. And I would certainly recommend it. Can you, tell, the us, can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, Dr. Jones, I mean, he spent a good amount of time in the field, in the, uh, uh, he was 87 when he wrote this. Uh, it's it's been a, a, a very well sold and and uh, and followed book. And uh, I'll just take this little excerpt here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it says in his classic style, Doctor Jones shows us how to claim our spiritual heritage and the abundant life promised us by embracing the kingdom in the person of Jesus. He suggests how our experience with God. And his kingdom should be taught and shared in the life of the individual, in the life of the church, and in the nations of the world. Something that struck me as I read and, and, and kind of reborn over this book is how he boils down uh, that life without Christ uh, is... Uh, well, how would I put this, not just more chaotic, but more impractical. So all the people that, that, that think it's, it's not practical, let's say, to, to believe uh, in the person of Jesus, he clearly outlines and very well verbalizes uh, how impractical it is not to believe Uh, that Jesus is who he says he is, and that the kingdom of God is not what uh, Jesus uh, said it was. So it's a very challenging and and good book and something that I think would be good to empower people as they're sharing the gospel and and as they're, um, you know, considering missions.
0: Good stuff. Now, for those of you listening, I do want to mention that all of the, uh, the links, everything that we've talked about so far will be linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Josh Young. So if you're trying to remember the name of that book, that's where you can find it and also a link to pick it up if you'd like to. Now, Josh, we are almost done. Do you mind sharing with us maybe one last piece of advice or guidance and the best way for people
2: to connect with you? Sure, yes. Uh, Well, I would say you have a very real and unique contribution in the kingdom of God. And I would encourage every listener... Uh, to not so casually dismiss the ideas and the dreams uh, that we feel like the lord has spoken to us uh, we need to foster those we need to steward those and and continue you know it's hard to be neutral either um, you know that is a fading memory or or we're we're kind of protecting that spirit in it and, and continuing to develop it because um, I believe that everyone connected with the Lord has been uh, or will be gripped by something much bigger than themselves. And so, it, you know, for those that that, that is very true and rings true in terms of something that they feel the Lord has already uh, clued them in on, um, continue to do that. For those that don't feel that are still asking of themselves, I would really encourage you to ask the Lord for that idea, for that dream, for, for that way, uh, to make an impact bigger than themselves. And then as we mentioned earlier, uh, take the time to listen. Cause I really, I really feel the Lord is going to reveal uh, himself in, in that way. And we are born for such a time as this. these issues that we, that we face, uh, it hasn't taken the Lord's surprise and it shouldn't take us by surprise. We were born in this time. Um, and we were born to be uh, problems with the Lord and, and problem solvers. Well,
0: oh, that's good. Uh, and a way for people to connect with you?
2: Sure. Josh Young at org is my email address. Our website is hydratinghumanity.org. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, be happy to, uh, to talk by phone as well uh, if you give me your contact information um so Uh, that's good and for those of you
0: who are listening you know josh just shared a lot of really good stuff in that summary i'd recommend that you go back you know hit that back button two or three times and listen to that whole thing because there's a lot of meat there if you want to connect with josh you know we'll have those links all available for you josh thank you so much this has been a true pleasure
2: thank you so much brian appreciate
0: you I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Josh Young for taking the time to do this. I really appreciated the time that we spent together. I thought that what he shared was challenging and inspiring and for me, enlightening, because some of the things he talked about I'd never really considered before. I hope that you found it valuable as well. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash young. That's where you'll find links to the resources we talked about, a way to connect with Josh, and even a few key quotes, things that he shared that I think that you'll enjoy. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I do have some news and some resources to share with you. And this isn't just news about Engaging Missions. This is news about our guests and resources for, our, for people who are like our guests or maybe people like you. First off, if you remember from episode 129, we talked with Luke Voigt, who was in the US and was getting ready to head back out to Malawi. It's now a few weeks later. And as of the first week of April, they've trained and commissioned 30 new sports ministers. These are people in Malawi who are trained. To bring people in and to use sports in their villages to share the gospel and in terms of discipleship. They also offer leadership training in a number of valuable things. I think this is really, really cool. Now, I do also have a resource, maybe for you or maybe for somebody that you know. If you know somebody, or maybe if you are someone who is beginning to get discouraged in what God has called you to do, you'll probably want to check out the article that I have linked up in the show notes. It's an article by Alex Hawk called Keep On Keeping On. It has two reasons that you're going to want to keep on keeping on and five things to do. And at the very beginning, I'm just going to share a little bit of a spoiler here. It starts with Jesus is worthy. So if you're struggling, if you know somebody who is, I'd ask that you either read it or perhaps share it with them. Third, if you remember from episode 30, we talked with George Patterson while well, he emailed and had a prayer request. He's in the process of mentoring leaders who are working to develop discipleship models in traditional churches. He said that they're seeing great fruit, but they're also seeing some really big challenges and they really want God's undergirding in this and God's guidance as they continue. So I would ask you to lift that up in prayers, in your prayers. Also, I'm working on a series. This is something about engaging missions, and I hope it's something that you'll find valuable. I'm working on a series to uncover how people are involving children in missions and ministry. This isn't just missionaries who take their families with them and their children aren't involved. I'm interested in people, whether short-termers or long-termers, whether local or global, people who are involving their children in their ministry, whether it's missions or some other kind of thing. It's a little bit selfish because I care about it personally, but I hope it's valuable to you as well. So if you know somebody who's done this or you are someone who's done this, I'd ask that you send a note to feedback at engagingmissions.com. We'll see if we can work out some of the details and get something going. I think this could be really valuable because I believe this is one of the key ways that we can pour into the next generation and see God's heart raised up in them. Next week, you're gonna wanna stop back, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of tease here. We're going to focus on raising support, but if you're not a full-time minister, if you're not raising support, that doesn't mean you're not gonna wanna check out because not only might this prove really valuable for somebody that you know, but you might learn something because a lot of the principles we're going to talk about apply across the board, whether you're raising funds or not. So I think you're really gonna enjoy that. Thanks so much for stopping by. I hope to see you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to The Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.